The West's infernos are melting our sense of how fire works. www.wired.com On the windy, hot day of July 26, 2018, as record 113 degree temperatures baked Redding, California, in the northern Sacramento Valley, Eric Knapp toiled in an air-conditioned government office. After work, he planned to meet his wife and three-year-old daughter, and some family friends, for dinner. Slender and fair-skinned with a gentle smile, Knapp is a research ecologist for the U.S. Forest Service. He was well aware that, three days earlier, in coastal mountains west of town, a wildfire had started when a trailer got a flat tire and the metal wheel room scraped the asphalt, sending sparks into dry brush. Like the vast majority of wildfires, this one, called the Car Fire, burned initially as a wide but shallow band of flames advancing slowly, like a battalion of infantrymen marching shoulder to shoulder, and left behind charred grass and lightly scorched trees. The car fire was also typical in that it moved according to the dictates of wind, ground slope, and flammable fuels southeast around a lake, then up a hill, in part because heat rises. Early on that particular morning, the fire had crested a rise above Reading and, with a northwesterly breeze at its back, crawled downhill toward town. November 2020 Subscribe to Wired Photograph Kevin Cooley Knapp was finishing up for the day when his friend Talita Dirksen, a wildlife biologist with a daughter close in age to Knapp's own, sent a text saying that her neighborhood might have to be evacuated. One of the agencies tasked with that judgment call, the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection aka CAL FIRE is one of the world's largest and most effective wildland firefighting organizations. CAL FIRE bases evacuation recommendations on predictions of where, and how quickly, a flame front will move next. That day, the fire appeared likely to reach the floor of the Sacramento Valley at a subdivision called Land Park, about a mile northwest of Dirksen's house. Knapp and the others changed plans, they'd meet at Dirksen's, order pizza, and help her get ready to leave in case it came to that. Knapp stopped at his house to grab fireproof Nomex clothing. As he headed to Dirksen's, he considered dropping by the office again to pick up his hard hat and emergency fire shelter a sort of fire-resistant pup tent but decided he was unlikely to need them. As he turned onto Dirksen's street, the flame front was a couple of miles away and hidden by trees, but Knapp could see the smoke rising in a straight and tall plume that turned the sun orange. When he arrived at Dirksen's house, she was already packing bags. Knapp, to be sure he knew what they were dealing with, jogged out the nearby Sacramento River Trail for view. Upriver, on the far bank, he could see red flames torching gray pines and scrubby oaks. Knapp was shooting photos when he noticed something odd, the wind where he stood blew out of the south, into the fire, but the flame front still moved the other way, driven by that northwesterly at its back. Then he saw something else, portions of the smoke plume swirled in different directions, as if beginning to rotate. Knapp knew this could signal a once rare and dangerous phenomenon known as plume-driven fire, in which a fire's own convective column of rising heat becomes hot enough and big enough to redirect wind and weather in ways that can make the fire burn much hotter and, with little warning, spread fast enough to trap people as they flee. As Knapp ran back down the trail, he passed neighbors walking and recommended they turn around. But even he had no idea how much peril they were all in. At the house, as Dirksen left, Knapp and others hosed down the roof and rain gutters and cleared the yard of flammable material like cardboard boxes and lawn furniture. Knapp was the last person there, 
spraying water on the fence and yard. Even as Nap cranked the spigot, the swirling smoke he'd seen was fast accelerating, transforming much of the car fire's enormous lower plume into the biggest fire tornado ever observed, a whirling vortex of flame 17,000 feet tall and rotating at 143 miles per hour with the destructive force of an EF3 tornado, the kind that erases entire towns in Oklahoma. While Nat blithely sprayed water around Dirksen's house, that fire tornado hidden from him by all the smoke in the air leapt across the Sacramento River, touched down in Land Park, snapped high-tension power lines, uprooted trees, wrapped steel pipes around utility poles, and obliterated hundreds of homes, igniting and shredding them and hurling their burning debris up to altitudes at which commercial passenger jets fly. Not far from where Knapp stood, Cal Fire Captain Sean Rayleigh was evacuating a woman and her daughter in his truck when all the windows imploded, showering them with shattered glass. Close by, a 37-year-old fire inspector named Jay. J. Stoke radioed Mayday moments before the tornado lifted his 5,000-pound Ford F-150 off the asphalt and flipped it repeatedly down Buenaventura Boulevard, killing him. Three other Cal Fire workers were driving bulldozers on that same boulevard when their windows also shattered. One of the 25-ton vehicles got spun around and dropped on top of a truck driven by a retired police officer, who then jumped out and crouched behind the bulldozer's blade while his truck caught fire. That's about when flaming debris that had been sucked into the car fire's plume of smoke drifted out of the updraft column into what fire meteorologists call the fallout zone, which is exactly what it sounds like. Knapp couldn't possibly have seen that happening, it was tens of thousands of feet above him. Nor could he see the flaming remnants of homes and trees hurtling downward like firebombs, smashing onto roofs and igniting dozens of houses. While looking up into the black whirling darkness overhead, Knapp who still thought the car fire was advancing with the slow predictability of a classic shallow flame front, watched embers rain down on the bark ships upon which he stood, lighting them afire. At the same moment, with the very ground at his feet aflame, Knapp felt an even more powerful pulse of heat. That fire tornado, and the blaze that raged for weeks after, ultimately destroyed more than a thousand homes and buildings, killed eight people, and scorched nearly a quarter million acres. Yet it was neither the biggest California fire of 2018, nor the most destructive, nor even the only one to behave in frighteningly anomalous ways. The Mendocino Complex fire, about 100 miles south of the car, which started the day after Knapp lingered unwittingly below a tornado, was also briefly plume-driven and ultimately burned almost 460,000 acres in what was then the largest California wildfire of all time. In early November, the Woolsey fire near Malibu destroyed 1,643 structures while ripping trees and power line posts out of the ground with a force suggestive of yet another fire tornado. The infamous Camp Fire, likewise in November, burned 70,000 acres in 24 hours about a football field a second, for a while and created an urban firestorm that destroyed more than 18,000 structures and killed 85 people, mostly in the town of Paradise generating billions of dollars in insurance claims and bankrupting the state's largest utility, PG&E. By the time California's 2018 fire season was over, it had burned more than 1.6 million acres to become the most destructive on record a title it maintained for slightly less than 20 months, when it was overtaken not by the 2020 fire season but by a mere four weeks in late summer 2020, during which an estimated 3 million acres burned.
but that's not the truly worrisome part. In making sense of Western wildfires, total acres burn are far less important than the increasingly capricious violence of our most extreme blazes. It is as if we've crossed some threshold of climate and fire fuel into an era of uncontrollable conflagrations. Not only is the size and severity increasing, but the nature of fire is changing, says David Saw, director of Pyregents, a group of fire science labs and researchers collaborating on the problem.